Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. There was a professor who stood in front of his college class and um, decided to teach him a lesson one day, and he brought this big glass jar, put it on the table. And he uh, didn't explain to him what he's doing, just took the lid off and pulled out a bag and had these large rocks in it. And he put these large rocks inside of this glass, big glass jar. <clears throat> put the lid on it and he asked the class a question, is the jar full? And some little smart aleck kid in the back went, you put the lid on it, man. Of course it's full. And so he's like, okay, I hear you, I hear you. And he took off, the, took off the lid and pulled out a bag of pebbles. And poured it in, and those pebbles filled all the little gaps that were, or those big gaps that were in the, in between those big rocks. He put the lid back on it and says, "Is it full now?" And the class started to catch on to what he was doing and said, "A little nervous hand went up in the corner. I think so." He pulled the lid back off, pulled out another bag, and dumped sand in the bag, and it filled up all those little minute crevices in between all the pebbles. He put the lid back on and says, is it, is it full now? No one dared answer. Did anyone look foolish? And then he pulled the lid back off and took a pitcher of water and poured it in, and it finished filling up the bowl. He put the lid back on top of it, and he said, what can we learn? What is the main lesson here that we just learned? Some kid off to the right put his hand up and said, you can always fit more in. You can do more than you think. And he said, it's a very good observation, but no, that's not the lesson. What's the lesson? And after several moments of awkward silence, he said, the lesson here is put the big things in first. Tonight at our first gathering of Roots Community Church, we're going to endeavor to do that. Put the big thing in first. I grew up on the East Coast in Florida. Um... We were never more than 15 minutes away from the beach or a stone's throw away from a redneck. And um, if, <laughs> if you don't know what a redneck is, just find me or Pat will tell you. <clears throat> um, and uh, we, um, uh, we grew up there and I went to church religiously. And I memorized scriptures as a kid. And we were, did it all through, like, um, through uh, children's church and sometimes in youth. And I was a part of the Bible quiz team. Got any Bible quiz folks in here? Anybody? Yeah, a couple of my Christian nerds right here. Yeah, I see you, I see you. Um, so we would memorize these scriptures, and one of the scriptures I memorized as a kid was Psalms chapter 1 for Bible quiz. Um, and it goes like this, and I'm going to quote it to you. Uh, I memorized it in the King James, so excuse the Queen's English here. But um, it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate both day and night. He, that man, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water brings for, and bring forth fruit in his season. And what his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, there you go, there's your, you know, Queen's English right there, right? Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I read that scripture as a kid, and about 10 years ago, the Lord really began to deal with me personally about this scripture. 
And there was something that just bugged me about the scripture. It bugged me. And it was this, is that it said, for that man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And it bugged me because I was like, why did he have to say planted? Why couldn't he just, wouldn't it have been the same, right? If he just said, he will be like a tree by the rivers of water. Why does that say planted? And so, you know, my, uh, my overly analytical, I'm an overthinker, just to tell you I'm up front. Um, if that bothers you, then I can't fix it. My wife has tried for years, you know, 20 years of marriage, and she can't, she can't fix me either. But I'm this chronic overthinker. And so um, uh, I was looking at that, that word, and I was like, man, why, why does that bug me so much? It says planted right there. And so I don't know if you've ever tried to write a book. I'm in the process of that my own self, but... You know, there, or if you've ever recorded an album, um, before you could buy individual songs, you'd buy an album, and there was probably two good songs on the record or the CD, or right? And all the rest of those tracks were called filler tracks. And I was like, maybe this is like a filler word. Like, why? It's just descriptive. Like, David wrote this psalm to start out, you know, Psalms, the book here, you know? So maybe it's just something that he used as a descriptive word. And I felt, um, I felt a little bit of pushback when I was kind of thinking this way from in my prayer time from the Spirit of God, and I, and I realized God don't use filler words. Everything He does is on purpose. Psalms 139 says this, Lord, you have examined me and know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up, you know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do. Lord, even before I say a word, you already know it. You are all around me in front and in back and have put your hand on me. Where can I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I run from you? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I lie down in the grave, you are there. If I rise with the sun in the east and settle in the west beyond the sea, even there you would guide me with your right hand, you would hold me. I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture, I realize that since he knows everything before I do it. He knows my words before I say it. He knows my actions before I perform them. He knows everything. There is no wasted effort with God. Why? I've spent the last eight years uh, daylighting, uh, my, my, uh, daylighting my day job is uh, corporate America, right? And this is loads of fun. Um, so I, I work on these teams and I work in a real large corporation on the technology side and we got together one day several years ago when I first got there and we started doing working on a project. We spent weeks and weeks and weeks coming up with all these documents and all this stuff to, to go this certain direction, to make this project run this direction. Well, after about a month's worth of work, one of our higher up guys decided uh, without consulting anybody that he was going to make a change. And he came in and after a meeting goes, what are you guys doing? I said, oh, we're working on this project. And he goes, why are you doing that? I'm like, because we were told to a month ago. We've been working diligently on this project to go this way. He goes, oh, we made a decision uh, yesterday. We're not going that direction anymore. Scrap everything you've done and go this direction. Has anybody else experienced that in a, in a job somewhere? Yeah, like for me, that was ultimately frustrating. Because my analytical mind first said this, how much time have I spent working on stuff that is now worthless? See, wasted effort, I hate, but wasted effort happens when you give effort to something 
but you don't know later on it's not going to be needed. There's some force beyond you or higher than you that's going to step in and make a call, a decision, that it's not needed anymore, right? That has never happened to God. Never once. Since he knows everything, he's not been surprised by anything that happened in the future. He's not been overrun. He didn't set me on this course, this direction, and then go, oh man, I didn't consider that this would change. And then go over there and be like, Matt, bro, sorry. Stop working on that. Come over here. Yeah, it's all right that you wasted. You'll still get effort. You'll still get paid for it. But come over here. He's never had that happen. That precision, that knowledge comes through his word. And so when he says, be like that man will be like a tree planted. It means that there is growth that has to happen for that to be revealed. See, I got into this because the Lord used this word picture for me many times over the years. And he's really cooked my noodle and really taught me some things and correct a lot of things in my own self where I went back to scripture and saw, man, what I was doing or what I was thinking or what I was saying was incorrect. See, I got into studying a little bit about how seeds grow and the trees grow from the seeds. And when the seed is planted, it actually has to die. Shed the outside shell, the flesh. And what's inside when that death happens can finally live. And it begins to grow underground, unseen for a length of time before it cracks the surface. See, that growth that happens for some palm trees, four years of root growth happens before anything breaks the surface. Four years. Why? Because the depth of the root is in direct correlation with the height of the tree. If you see any tree, like if you go out in the backyard later tonight and see that big old tree, it's in my backyard, sprawled out all everywhere. The height of the root of the, of the branches equals the depth of the roots. The roots have to grow deep. And so as I, was, as I felt like the Lord was showing me this and as I was studying this, I ran across the scripture in Ephesians, which is actually one of our core scriptures for our church here. And it says this. I want you to, be, I want you to listen very carefully to this. It says, and this is God's plan. Ephesians 3, verses 6 through 21. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they both belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I, Paul, have been given the privilege of serving him and spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We got work to do on that one, right? This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. 
right here, ready? When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Your roots will grow down into where? Your roots will go down to God's love. Since we already know from the book of 1 John that he who knoweth not God, who doesn't love, doesn't know God because God is love. Notice what he says here. He will not just grow down into God, he will go into God's love, which implies a deep, direct root in him. In him. As I was growing up in church and as I was going through all these things, I realized very quickly that one of the roots of my faith was not directly in him, but it was in the church I attended. This is a huge revelation for me because I was one of those kids who grew up, right? Like, like you have to be planted in your local church. That's not what the book we read says. It says you're supposed to be planted in Him. Does that not mean you're not supposed to participate in local church? No, I never would have invited you if that was the case. God would have never put it in your heart to come if that wasn't the case. But your root of faith has to be in Him. Here's why. This happened to me multiple times in my life. Once when I was a kid, I was 15, 16 years old, and a couple times after that, where my root of my faith was in the church I was at. Here's what that looks like. When the pastor of the church, the leader of the church, the direction of the church, the board of the church, whoever it is you look at is like some kind of leadership of the church, makes a mistake. And there were some doozies. I've been a part of some doozies, right? Like, I'm not the only one in the room, I'm sure. But when that happened, it shook the ground that I was rooted in. And when that root was in the church, it actually shook my faith. To the point where 10 years ago, I walked in the room, me and my wife looked at each other and said, we have to discuss if we, we're going to have to go all the way back to the beginning after all the stuff that we've seen and go, do we even believe in God? That conversation lasted about 10 seconds. Of course we believe in God. Okay, next. Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That took about five seconds. Absolutely. All the evidence, everything that I've ever seen in my life, everything points directly to that. It's, it's undeniable for me, all the evidence that is out there. So then I went back to this beginning point and said, then why in the world am I questioning God when that guy messed up? When that group messed up, when the direction of the ministry messed up, why is it? And I don't know about you, but in those moments where I was hurt or frustrated, I stood up and pointed across the room at whoever it was that was the object of my, my ire. I thought I was you know, done wrong by, and I went, they're wrong. Why did they do that? God, go get them. And God said, I will take care of them. However, let's deal with you because my root was not directly in him. It was dependent upon the success 
of the local expression of the body of Christ that I was a part of. All of a sudden, the anger, the, the, the hatred, the hurt, the vile, the, the, the angst in me that wanted to point at those other people and go, that guy sucks, man. Why in the world would that happen? Why would this happen, man? That guy, I, dude, I can list, the, it's a long, long list, longer than me, and I'm big. <clears throat> why in the world would that happen? And God says, All, why did you think it wouldn't? At what point did I guarantee you in my word that you would not have any struggle, any hurt, any frustration, any betrayal? Where is that here? And then more and more I went back here to his word. I realized it wasn't, it wasn't even something that he dismissed. He guaranteed the wound would happen. When I looked at the life of Christ and what he went through, I have to look at it and say, he suffered. Why do I think I was exempt? And it turned my frustration and anger away from, away from the church or the people. And it looked and put right back on me and said, if your root was with me, your faith wouldn't have shaken. It would have merely blown your branches. But for me, because I was out of alignment, I was incorrect. The kid grew up in church. My dad was a deacon. I went all the time. We went when, it, when there wasn't events to make sure that there wasn't one. Just because we, we didn't want to miss it. <clears throat> like I was there all the time, four or five nights a week. I, I, why in the world does that guy who supposedly does all the right stuff and goes all the right way, how does that still happen to me? Because there's nobody exempt especially when my root was in the wrong place. Would all the stuff have hurt? Sure. Would it have shaken the faith that I had in God himself? No way. I had to repent and ask God to help me remove my root of faith from there and do exactly what Ephesians says, and put it directly in Him. You may never come back to another one of these things, ever, but I want you to hear me on this. Take responsibility for your relationship with God and go deep directly with Him. If you've got tentacles that are spread out other places, cut them off and go back to the root where it should be with Him and let your root grow deep into God's love directly. It's almost like He's saying, if God is love and He's saying God's love, it's almost like He's going, get double deep. God, God. God's love. Him, Him. Go deep into Him directly through His Word. And when you do that, a lot of the, if you've ever experienced any kind of frustration, those things will drop off quickly. And you will look at God and go, I thought everybody else was wrong, but it was me. When our roots are directly with Him, it, is, it builds an unshakable foundation.
the trunk will blow, the leaves will rustle, the limbs will sway in the storm, the fruit you have may fall one here or there, but the foundation of your belief in the Almighty God will remain the same. And in that moment that you realize that, there is such gratitude and humility and understanding. I could never do anything to earn it. And it plunges you deeper into a relationship with Him that will not waver. We run a dangerous position. I did. I'll speak for myself. When we put somebody as a representative of Christ to us when we have direct access to Him ourselves. 1 Timothy 2. I urge you, this is Paul talking to Timothy before he goes and pastors. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in their authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This should be the filter before we had sinned on anything on Twitter. Um, <laughs> this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. And here's where we'll wrap it up. Ready? There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. Culturally, we have put this responsibility, and there is responsibility on the people who lead churches, who are pastors, who are elders, who are board members, who are lay ministers. We put this responsibility on them. They do have responsibility, but that responsibility has almost become culturally, we have looked at, doesn't matter what denomination you're a part of, this guy speaks for God, and when he screws up, God looks bad. He is not the mediator. And when we put a man where Christ only is supposed to be, he is destined to fail. If you're around here at any length of time, I am just going to go ahead and right now and tell you, I guarantee you I'm going to screw up as one of the lead pastors here. I'm going to tell a joke that is going to be that nine people will laugh and 109 people will look at me and be like, bro, really? I'm not going to do it on purpose. It's just going to happen. I know me. I'm going to miss something I should have caught. It's going to happen. But the challenge and what the goal is here is for you, for you, for you, for you to have a relationship with God directly that you can look at me as your brother in Christ and go, hey man, you're out of line. And me bring that relationship in Scripture and you bring your relationship with God in Scripture and we act in true community and look and go, I am wrong and I'm asking you to forgive me. Without the relationship you have with God being questioned when somebody else messes up. Don't have to be a pastor. Could be whoever taught you about God. Your dad, your mom, your grandma, your grandpa, your could have been your kids that taught you about God, whoever it was. And they wind up falling short somehow. Guess what? That should not shake our faith. It should shake the branches. We should cry. But it should not drive us to the point where we question Almighty God. If there is 
something as we've been talking here that you go, man, I've been rocked a little bit on my faith on a couple things because a few things happened recently. I've been, there's a temptation in me to go, I really want to stick this out or can I just go do my own thing and say I'm cool with Jesus and then just kind of dip out and do my own thing. If there is something in you that says there's a root where it is not supposed to be, um, I'm standing here in front of you to say uh, my roots and those incorrect things were probably deeper than yours. So don't feel bad because I have royally messed that up in my own life. Just as a guy who's trying to pursue God, I have royally messed that up in my own life. So let the condemnation fall away and let the God who knows everything, who knows the roots planted in the wrong place, hear him say to you tonight, let's remove that root and let's put it where it's supposed to be with him. Imagine coming together when your relationship with God is strong, yours is strong, you've spent time in the Word, you've been, you've been crying out to Him, you've been praying, you've been fasting, everybody's hearing from the Lord and then brings that strength into the house together and willfully, obediently, and submissively to God's Word participates in the local expression of the body of Christ. What would that do? My guess is when we line up with his word, it's going to be combustible. I'm not talking about, let's blow that thing up and let's hit a building and let's get a number. No, 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 no. You're the minister. You're an injection point for the gospel wherever you are. So your relationship with God has to be strong. And if I teach you in a way where you're dependent on me to dissect this for you, I am not a good under-shepherd for the master shepherd. Everyone has to have that relationship on their own.